Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. It's Pentecost Sunday. Today, we look back at that day and see how that event still has lessons for us today. First Pres worship leader Shevis Wong preaches on this event in Acts chapter 2. Good morning. <laughs> and what a beautiful one it is this Pentecost Sunday. Our key scripture this morning uh, can be found in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read it uh, in the NLT, but feel free to um, uh, track in uh, any version uh, that you'd like to. Um, it tells a story of what happened on Pentecost, um, you know, um, around 2,000 years ago, and how we are still a part of that story today. The book of Acts was written by the Apostle Luke right after he finished writing his account of the gospel. And so um, I enjoy, because I was taught to enjoy, considering the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts uh, together, almost as two parts of the same story, like it's a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Like, like the book of Acts, the Acts of the Disciples is a continuation of uh, the book of Luke. And so when we do that, Luke tells us the story of Jesus' birth, his life and ministry, his death and resurrection, then the mission of the church, and that Christ will come again. And that helps us, and it certainly helps me to clearly see that we today have a place in the gospel. We're, we're in the mission of the church. And what an, an amazing gift it is to know that we have a purpose, right? What an amazing privilege to know that we have a purpose. And so a great way to approach Acts chapter 2 is through Acts chapter 1. Uh, so we're going to take just a moment and take a step back and look at what came immediately before it. You can uh, feel free to read the chapter in its entirety uh, on your own time. But for now, I'm just going to summarize only a small part of it. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus introduces the idea of the Holy Spirit uh, to the disciples. He teaches them that the Holy Spirit was with them, but would soon be in them. And then he just tells his disciples, people of Galilee, uh, to remain where they happened to be at the time, uh, which was Jerusalem. Uh, he told them to gather until God gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then they will be Jesus' witness to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And it's from this point that we move into our key scripture for this morning, Pentecost Sunday, uh, Acts chapter 2. So if you would please stand, everyone here uh, and everyone uh, watching online, if you can, in reverence as we, we uh, receive the word of God. So here it is, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, uh, NLT. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then 
what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas around Libya, around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. So, um, as I spent time with the Lord um, and His Word and prayed for our time together this morning, uh, uh, a memory came to mind. Um, and it was striking because I don't actively like remember a, a lot of things. If you ask my wife Kelly, she will tell you I don't remember um, a lot of things. But this memory in, in my quiet time with the Lord struck me. And it's a, it's a silly one. Um, it was about Christmas time. I don't know how old I was, but we'll say like six or, six or seven. And uh, I know that it wasn't quite Christmas yet. But my parents determined it was time for me to be permitted to open a gift. So I'm assuming this is like Christmas Eve or something like this. Um, and uh, I realized uh, this morning as I was driving in, I thought it was just their, their, like, um, their generosity to allow me to open a gift. But actually, I think I was just fussing. And so they said, here, you can, you can open one of them. And so I did. And I slowly unwrapped it, uh, savoring every moment. And I knew what it was. You know, you open a corner and you can see the picture. And uh, it was this fire truck. And on the box, it told me that it had lights and it had sounds and it had all these moving pieces and I could clearly see buttons on it. And I stood there and, and I did like this and then I did like this and then I imagined myself um, fulfilling my uh, purpose uh, in life to become a firefighter and drive this, this truck, right? And, um, and it was awesome. And I remember feeling like I had arrived, like this, this, this finally, this is it. And then later I realized um, 
that taped under it was a box of batteries. And that was a meaningful moment uh, this past week to remember that my one gift carried two presents simultaneously. My parents gave me a fire truck with batteries. I want to tell you so many things, so many wonderful things that the Lord has for us to unpack in this passage. But um, in the light of this memory, I think that God might want us to focus on just two of them. So here they are. <laughs> this, is the, this is the punchline. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is simultaneously a mystical and practical gift. And two, the Holy Spirit is simultaneously an individual and communal gift. The Holy Spirit is simultaneously a mystical or spiritual and practical gift. And the Holy Spirit is simultaneously an individual and communal gift. These are biblical truths um, that I think God wants us to remember uh, and hold on to. Um, so that's the punchline. If you want to take my word for it, um, I think we're, we're done. You can, you can check out now, uh, go to Hebrews. Um, but if you want to take God's word for it, um, stick around and, and uh, let's explore Let's begin to explore our key scripture. So remember the gospel writer Luke tells us that Jesus died and resurrected and then went to spend time with the disciples. He appeared before them. And in that time, he introduces the idea of the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And then he gives them further instructions before ascending into heaven. Uh, remember, he explains the Holy Spirit is with them actively working with them, but would soon be in them, actively working. And then he instructed them, remain in Jerusalem, gather and pray until Jesus says God determines to give them uh, the Holy Spirit. And they will be Jesus' witness to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what they did. Then, one day, as they were gathering to pray and worship, Luke gives us an account of the first work of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. The miracle, the spiritual and mystical demonstration of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. So, I'm just going to read um, from verse 2. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit uh, gave them this ability. Um, and it struck me, um, even today, we all happen to know uh, people like this, don't we? Uh, they might describe themselves as being filled with the Spirit. 
and might even make it public, public knowledge that they are filled with the Spirit. And they might exhibit um, and seem to genuinely have unusual, uh, supernatural abilities like um, the Bible says speaking in tongues or having words of knowledge or um, teaching preschool. Uh, and these things are biblical and I believe that God enjoys it when we use the unusual and supernatural gifts that he gives to us to bring him glory. And so Pentecost Sunday brings us again as a church family to face a sometimes uncomfortable thing, for me anyway, sometimes uncomfortable. And for all of us, there's really no way around it as Christians. Uh, the fact of the matter is that there are things about our faith which are mystical or supernatural or spiritual by nature. And um, the truth is, uh, for us, this, it can sometimes be, and, and um, uh, the word that, uh, that I'll use is challenging. It can be challenging. A pastor friend here uh, reminded me uh, this past week that after all, we are dealing with something we cannot see. And that is the truth. And I want to bring your attention and focus to another truth that we find in the context of our scripture this morning. Not to offer a contrarian perspective, but to admire God's ability to do more than one thing at a time. Because the Bible says the mystical gift of the Spirit is also at the same time a practical gift. And we can begin to see it by exploring three questions. And uh, these are three questions that we can write down or type out or just keep uh, in our uh, mind and uh, wonder about them. Um, with the Lord um, in our quiet time this week. Here's the three questions. What did the Holy Spirit empower the disciples to do? And what did it produce in the disciples? And then, does this reveal anything about the motive of the Holy Spirit? So I'll share my observations with you really quickly um, and would love to learn about yours as well. And you can email me or get in touch. I, I, I'd love to hear um, your thoughts on it. So just tip of the iceberg. First question, what did the Holy Spirit empower the disciples to do? Well, the Bible says in our scripture today that the first work of the Holy Spirit demonstrated through the disciples was that they were able to speak in other languages. Um, and this is different to the language of the Spirit um, used to speak directly with um, God, the um, glossolalia, as um, um, I think uh, Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians. The Holy Spirit gave the disciples the ability to speak in other languages. As I thought about that, it m made me call back to a handful of weeks ago when we had a meet and greet question, and it was, do you speak any other languages? 
Um, and the languages of nations came up, right? I speak English, I speak Japanese, I speak. Uh, and at the same time, other languages were mentioned as well. The language of music, the programming language, math, all, all of these things. Engineering, industry standard terms, all, all of these languages. And it made me wonder about how the Holy Spirit works in us today. Okay, second question. What did it produce? And the Bible says that the disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit, used their gifting to go on and on and on about the wonderful things that God has done. They praised the Lord. That, that's what it produced. Worship. And they admired God and they adored him. And it was so bold and so loud, the Bible says that people were drawn to the place where they were and were awestruck. And so what do we know about the motive of the Holy Spirit? Just in the context of our scripture here, um, it's that among other things, mystical or practical, the Holy Spirit seems interested in our purpose and helps us to do what Jesus asks us to do. And I recognize his work, the work of the Holy Spirit in people today, the people around me, and I'm sure um, you do too. In fact, if you've, uh, if you've gone through the newcomers class or, or seekers and joiners uh, for our church here, you would have been made aware of a presentation called The Miracle of Ko'olau. Um, and in it, you hear the story of, yes, how the people of this church got together and now we have this amazing facility and land to care for. Um, but even though we do have amazing people at uh, our church, First Pres, they say they didn't accomplish this by human power alone, only with the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so before we move on to our final point, I want to also mention um, something that I found and do find profoundly meaningful, which reshaped and still continues to calibrate uh, my expectations for obeying and trusting the Lord. And it's this. Remember, Jesus told the disciples they would witness to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And as I imagine myself in the place of the disciples, that journey would be a logistical nightmare because the Bible mentions not only the barriers of language, but of distance. If you Google this, you can see that um, the walk, and it was a walk, I, maybe, they had, maybe they had bicycles or like carriages, but somebody was walking, so somebody was doing it from Jerusalem to, to Judea was something like 68 miles or something. But then to Samaria is 
10 times that. And then Jesus is this funny thing, ends of the earth. And uh, if I were the disciples, I would feel overwhelmed, not inspired, especially considering how Jesus' instructions, his directions, the, 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 the sequence of events, the blueprint um, that he gives to them. Um, when you stop and just like take a breath, it's missing some parts, it seems like, right? And it, and it is. The, uh, the uh, strategic plan of Jesus is, is missing some um, critical details. Uh, it's not very comprehensive. Um, and it's not really even a plan, is it? But the Bible says the disciples went for it. And the way they went for it is profound. Because they stayed focused. They stayed focused on what Jesus told them to do. They made it their job. And praise God they did. Because now, under this incredible story, we remember today. It carries a miracle under the miracle. Uh, see, the eureka moment, the revelation comes uh, in understanding the context of what was going on around the disciples at this time. In this moment, there is taking place something called the Feast of Weeks. Uh, the Bible tells us that the Feast of Weeks is an incredibly important Jewish tradition where many nations and Jews and others who adopted the Jewish faith would pilgrimage to Jerusalem from wherever they happened to be uh, to observe and, and um, participate in it. And as I get stuck seeing myself in the place of the disciples, trying to get over how we are going to go and witness to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. God was busy bringing the ends of the earth and Samaria and Judea to the disciples. The Bible says that nations were pilgrimaging uh, to Jerusalem. But the disciples focused on what Jesus told them to focus on. They, they just hung on to what they had to go on and trusted God and concerned themselves with gathering and praying, the Bible says. That's it. And the Holy Spirit empowered them and the glory of God was witnessed. And it turns out that their role in the middle of it all was just to praise the Lord as our role often is today. And so it helps me to remember that as Christians, as a Christian, we don't always find our strength in understanding, but the Bible says we will always find our strength in the joy of the Lord, and we won't always find our peace through the pursuit of understanding, but the Bible says we will always find our peace which surpasses understanding through the pursuit of rejoicing in the Lord. And we can do this now 
today, uh, not by human power, uh, but only with the help of the Holy Spirit. And don't get me wrong, it is good to use our heads and our minds, and we should stay in school and, 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 and all of that. Because remember, Paul teaches, um, I really like Paul, Paul teaches in, um, in um, 1 Corinthians, he says, um, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. It's just that, holding that as a truth, and also this is a truth, sometimes our responsibility, our role, isn't to find out or make the logistics work. Sometimes our responsibility is to find out how to rejoice in the Lord with the help of the Holy Spirit and trust that God will bring glory to himself in our obedience. So the Bible teaches us how the Holy Spirit is a mystical gift and also a practical one. As a way to close this talk and as we move into communion, I want to point out um, one other thing, and this is to do with our second point. Why I believe the Holy Spirit is an individual and communal gift. As we recall our scripture, Luke writes that the disciples did as Jesus told them to do. Uh, they stayed in Jerusalem and gathered and prayed and waited for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, but Luke also tells us that they grew in number. If you go to Acts chapter 1 and read it, it says, they grew in number. And on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 disciples present, men and women. So Luke says the disciples gathered and they prayed. And they gathered and they prayed and they gathered and they prayed. And as they did, they grew in number to a very specific number, 120. And it is not random. And here's why. And here's why it's special. In keeping with Jewish customs, 120 disciples or church leaders gathered together could form a synod. And that synod is a body that is formally recognized by the Jewish community and society. And the role of a synod is to take on the responsibility for discussing and deciding on issues which concern a church body, doctrine, policy, and practice. And so with this awareness, we begin to put together that something monumental is happening. That Luke is not just telling us a story about how God gave the Holy Spirit to his disciples to empower them to do what God wanted them to do, God is giving the Holy Spirit to his disciples to empower them to also be what he wants them to be. And just like how the Gospels all start 
with an account of Jesus' birth here at the beginning of Acts. Luke gives us an account of how the church of Christ was born. And just like how in the beginning of the Bible, it says that God formed man and breathed life into him. Here at the beginning of Acts, it says that God formed the church of Jesus and then breathed life into it. And this makes our faith different to all other religions and kinds of temples. And because remember, before this moment, temples were constructed to honor the Lord, like the extraordinary one that Solomon uh, built as a monument to God and to keep the Ark of the Covenant. And God was pleased by it. In 2 Chronicles, it says, um, when Solomon was finished uh, building the temple and, and finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The Bible teaches us that when we see um, the imagery, the symbolism of the fire of the Lord, it signifies the personal presence of God. And it is, um, it's all over the Old Testament. So when we lay this understanding over what Luke is writing and, and consider that as the disciples were gathered and the Holy Spirit came to fill them, that tongues of fire appeared and rested above the heads of everyone there. It's like saying the personal presence of God rested on the disciples and then filled them. And in this, um, God reveals a little more about his heart for us. Because he didn't... He didn't um, commission uh, the construction of an extraordinary temple building. The Bible says we are the new temple. And God's heart was to, um, on this Pentecost, establish the church of Jesus. And not only that, once it was formed, once it was established, he breathed life into it through the Holy Spirit. And the disciples together then were more than just a Christian community, right? They, together they became the one body of Christ. And their new mission, their new purpose was to simultaneously do something and be something for God's glory. And we get to carry that on from them today. And on Pentecost Sunday, we, we remember and thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit who makes our purpose possible. And that's why the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, the Bible says, is an individual gift and also a communal one because we're not just called to be church people, 
but church family. Each of us a new temple that God fills with his personal presence and together the one body of Christ. Praise God. What a privilege. Um, so I will continue to pray for us that we would um, do as Paul says and make every effort to grow, that we would grow in the gift of the Holy Spirit as well, in the mystical things and the practical things and the individual things and the communal things, and most importantly, that it would produce a passion for us to find our way to rejoice through it all. So I want to close our time with uh, just two questions uh, for us to consider. Um, and you can consider them or respond to them. Like, these are questions I'll ask, and you can hold them. And if you want to tell me what you think, I'd love to pray for you about them. Um, and so would all the staff and, and team uh, here. So question one. In hearing all this, do you think the Lord might be stirring you to do something new in community with others in service to him? And secondly, um, and this is just for some of us here, um, do you think the Lord is stirring you to be part of our church family? Not just specific to um, First Pres, but the um, forever family of Jesus. If you feel that stirring, especially that one, um, let somebody know. So if you want to choose Jesus for the first time this morning um, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're all uh, the family of Jesus here and online um, going to gather alongside you um, and... and um, and pray together uh, now. So let's come into just a posture of prayer. And you can close your eyes and bow your heads. And it's okay for the worship team uh, to come up now as we pray. And if you give your life to Christ this morning, please let someone know. Let's pray. God, among the many gifts that you have given us, I thank you for the gift of your word and the spirit. Help us all to draw closer to you and teach us how to rejoice. And now this prayer of salvation for whoever wants um, to pray this. And the family of Jesus will pray for these people. Repeat in your heart. I'm sorry, God, for being distant. But this is my decision um, to turn to you. Thank you for loving me and for making our relationship possible. Please be the Lord of my life. And now this prayer for all of us. Holy Spirit, we humbly ask that you would help us in our purpose. Please rest on us and fill us. Teach us how to rejoice in the Lord and to do what God asks us to do, and to be the church, the one body of Christ, that God desires us to be.
And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus. And God's people said together, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, worship team, and thank you, Chevis. On a special day like today, Pentecost Sunday, where people of so many languages um, came together to be filled with the, the one spirit. And I love how Chevis made the remark, you know, we're not just a church people, we are a church family, one body of God. And that's an important thing to say in our day and age, where there's so much division, not only in our country, but in the world. You know, there's the left, there's the right, there's progressive, there's conservatives, there's this identity group, that identity group, the other identity group. You know, praise God for diversity. But our diversity was never meant to create division. It was meant to be just like another facet on a beautiful diamond. This is not like that, but they all show beauty. But in our sin, we have made the differences divisive. And so it is especially poignant on a day like the day of Pentecost to be celebrating communion. I mean, think of that word even, the coming of union. And today, right now, there are people around the world who can't even laugh in English but are sharing unity and communion with us today. They speak Chinese, they speak uh, Spanish, they speak Swahili, they speak Russian and Ukraine, they speak Jersey for crying out loud. <laughs> Which I'm not sure anybody understands, but, but God does. So consider all of this, drink it all in as we take in these elements. So on the night that, that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take it, this is my body, which is for you, broken for you, shattered for you, so we can be unified through his broken body. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant the new beginning in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. And as Paul says, for whenever you eat and drink of these things, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if you're able, please take one of uh, the little cups that you have or folks at home, if you can take now your elements that you have and just hold them there for a moment as I pray for this special, special and sacred event. Lord, it is good to re be reminded of this day that really is so different. We remember Pentecost and how the people of different languages didn't all start to speak the same language, but they just started to believe in the same God. So even as we take of these elements, we pray for healing of division, the division that's in our own hearts first, much less the division in our community, our church community, and our society in our world. You died so you can heal those divisions and bring us together as one family, Lord. So we thank you for giving your body and your blood for us. And now, my brothers and sisters, these are the gifts of God for the people of God because of the love of God. Let us eat and let us drink together. Well, uh, before I close, before I give the blessing, we just make a real quick uh, reminder that prayer is available. If you're here in the sanctuary, in the Lanai area, in the back, if you'd like some more prayer. Um, and if, for those of you online, you can still hit the uh, prayer button uh, near the chat area there if you need some prayer before this service uh, finishes.
And now, may the God who brings every tribe, every nation, and every tongue to be as one through him, fill you with the fire of his Holy Spirit so that you might be the hands, the arms, the ears, and the words to a people who need to know and understand the goodness and the love of Jesus for their life. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Be in peace. And we'll see you next time. Even though something might seem unusual and incomplete and outside of our understanding, God is in control. He offers both the spiritual and practical, and we all come together to fulfill His purpose. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and now on YouTube. First Prez invites you to church. Join us in person or online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine, or online at fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember, when you visit the website, sign up for emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots, lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Prez can do for you, please reach out through those websites or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.